the Premier League on OTB. Exclusive Premier League live commentaries every Sunday. The very best expert analysis on your phone and for free. Download the OTB Sports app now. Fans can be the harshest critics, you know. They often are. A wife is often the harshest critic of her husband. <laughs> I thought I was invincible. That's what you're, you're trained to believe as a sports person. There was four million people in Ireland who knew much more about managing <laughs> football teams than I did. When it comes to music, I can spoof it the best. Your sporting career is the best time you'll have, and, you know, you have to hang on to it for as long as your life, because everything else is pretty crappy. And this is not lies. Stephen Rochford has never spoken to Jim McGinnis in his life. And this is Off The Ball Saturday on News Talk. John Duggan until 7 on this extended show today because we're bringing you live commentary of the Republic of Ireland's World Cup qualifier against Azerbaijan from 5. You can text us now, 53106, or tweet us at the Ball. Listen on News Talk, watch us on the social channels for Periscope on Twitter, at the Ball, YouTube, and on Facebook. We're also streaming across the OTB Sports app. This is the Saturday panel. We're going to review the sporting week between now and half two with the former Mayo senior football player and manager and the current Offaly boss in Gaelic football, John Mohan. Shane Keegan an ex-Dundalk uh, parish member and a UEFA Pro Licence coach and the ex-All-Ireland winning Camogie player with Cork and now Dublin convert, Sarah O'Donovan. John, Shane and Sarah, it's great to have you back on. Thank you. Thank you, you John? John. Good afternoon, guys. Great to see you, uh, if anybody's uh, watching out there and, and great to hear you. I just want to, because at the end of the news round, we got a couple of texts in on the Irish soccer team, so probably the best place to start. Uh, 53106, plenty of listeners proving that Irish fans being the greatest in the world is a myth. They should be backing Stephen Kenny, an Irish man who's come through our own league, is bringing through young Irish players. A lot of the anti-Kenny brigade or anti-League of Ireland, that's hard to change. Tom and Cork says that. And lads, I wouldn't care if we lost every remaining match in this campaign as long as we saw good football being played and progression on the pitch. All of the naysayers texting in are obviously couch potato Premier League fans who don't have football in their hearts, says John in Sligo. Well, probably the biggest story of the week so far, uh, Shane Keegan, apart from the Paralympics, was the Republic of Ireland and Portugal. Was this week a turning point for our national team? Yeah, I think, well, look, we'll find out, won't we, over the next couple of days, possibly even, John, to be honest with you. Look, there's a balance to be struck. I wouldn't go quite as far as I think your your texter saying was John and Sligo there. I wouldn't go quite as far as that. I don't think there are, are, are too many who would quite simply completely write off results um, if football, if they if we were playing in a, in a, in, a, in an enjoyable manner. Um, but it definitely helps. It definitely helps, and you can definitely you you certainly are happy enough to take an, a really good performance when you're playing against one of of, of the superpowers, which essentially Portugal are. Um, I mean, if you had offered anybody. Uh, an impressive performance and a narrow defeat before that game had kicked off. Absolutely, everybody would have taken that. Let's be quite honest, because you know, bearing in mind what are the result of our last competitive game and the awful result that was, you know, we were heading into that game with a little bit serious amount of fear and 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 afraid maybe of a of a proper thumping with Ronaldo out for goals. And what we got was it was a a different kind of heartbreak, I suppose. So it was. Um, Rather than a poor performance, we got a fantastic performance. I re- and I, I really thought they were excellent, John. Absolutely super. Um, and it would not have been daylight robbery at all if we'd come away with all three points. It certainly wouldn't. Um, they worked their socks off. They had a tremendous defensive shape. Um, sometimes people seem to think that all Stephen wants to do is 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 concentrate on what we do when we have the ball and keeping the ball. The, our defensive shape the other night was superb. That central five of, of, of the midfield... Um, two and then the two white boys either side of Ida, their positional sense was, was superb right throughout um, and then when we had the ball and again John I suppose the big point I'd make on it is when you look at the manner in which we conceded that early penalty um, look debatable whether it was ever a penalty at all but the manner in which it was conceded it would have been very very easy for guys to abandon ship in terms of trying to play out from the back after that and they didn't. They didn't. They doubled down on their efforts. They learned from the mistakes of, of giving away that penalty. And I thought we played some super, super football. Look, unfortunately, come with the hour, come with the man when it came to it at, at the day. But um, you'd really like to think it was a very much a step in the right direction. Do we have a chance of fostering a new connection, Sarah, with the national team? You've got a young team. Gavin Bazoon is 19. Andrew Mamba Medele is 19. Adam Ida is 20 years of age. They're from different parts of the country. There's a multicultural aspect as well. I think there's a, an opportunity for, for us to fall in love with this team a bit again if, if we can start getting results to match a performance like the other night. 
I agree. I was watching the game the other night and I was watching Chris, Cristiano Ronaldo after the match and I was watching who he kind of engaged with from the Irish setup. And Gavin Bazuno was a player that he sought out and he shook his hand and I went, right, he's obviously caught Cristiano Ronaldo's eye. You know, obviously he was a he was a Dali's man and Cristiano Ronaldo found him hard to, to break down. And for that, for an international icon like that to, to seek him out and shake his hand, that's the kind of thing that will encourage future players to go, you know what, there's talent here. And I and I really liked that after the game. John, are you a fan of the Garrison game as they would have called uh, soccer in the, back in the day in, in Gaelic games? I am. I am indeed, yeah. Never played it much now, but certainly do um, enjoy it and would never miss an international when I can. I was relieved for, for uh, Stephen Kelly, to be quite honest with you. I think he's had a rough ride for the last 18 months or whatever, 17 months. I think uh, 12 games uh, defeated before to have that facile victory over Andorra. I think it was 4-1 a couple of months ago. I was thrilled to bits with the performance. I was delighted to see uh, um, that GA pedigree shine through with that super goal we got in the, uh, um, from John Egan to top drawer. And I just felt we were going to hang on. It was just heartbreak at the end. But I have to say, I, I was hugely impressed. And I think uh, Shane captured it brilliantly well there. There was great shape. There was... Uh, it was kind of a, a, an abandoned to our to our, our style of play. It was structured, it was organised, but it was great flair. And again, the young guys in particular were super. Aaron Connolly could have, I, I felt he should definitely have got a penalty that would have won us the game, would have put us two up, I felt. But it was a great, it was a, in many ways, it was a great performance, but it's a result business. It's all about, uh, obviously, the next two games. If we can pull off two victories, well, then we say, yes, Stephen Kenny is heading in the right direction. He is developing young talent. They look very, very impressive. And it's, you know, look, we love to see it. It's our, it's our country and we'll follow them. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll start off with a good result this afternoon and again, a couple of days time. But very, very impressive. John, when you're managing uh, inter-county sides in Gaelic football, especially in your own county when you're managing Mayo and you're so close, everybody in the county has a opinion on John Mahan and everybody in the country has an opinion on Stephen Kenny because he's got the biggest job in Irish sport it can be a lonely place you have to have a thick skin Very much so yes I've been subjected to, to grief along the way of unique records and losing a fair few All-Irelands club under 21 and senior in the space of a few months back in 2004 it was yeah and unfortunately it comes with the territory and uh Thankfully, I'm enjoying a pretty a reasonably good spell in Offaly. I haven't got much grief. I was told that when, when I was asked to take the job there three years ago that uh, they're a forgiving a lot up in Offaly. And uh, yeah, I haven't got the, uh, the grief that I certainly was subjected to in one or two uh, previous uh, jobs I was in. But look, at, uh, I enjoy it. It's, it's my choice of pleasures. It's my hobby. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy the um, rough and tumble of that comes with management. And at the end of the day, you're, you're doing your best. But um, yeah, I, I felt, you know, I thought Stephen Kenny got a particularly harsh time. He was very, very good with Ireland on the 21 level. And I felt he deserved time. He just didn't have the talent pool. And ultimately, there's some, you know, there are some super managers out there that never get the, uh, the spotlight, you know, operating in the GA world. Yeah, they're just unlucky enough that the talent pool they have isn't good enough. It's easy to manage if you've got a brilliant talent pool. And I'm not suggesting now that Jim Gavin had it easy in any way because he managed his resources superbly well, winning all those all Irelands. But, uh, it does help if you have a good if you have a good bunch to work with, John. But as I say, I'm I, I'm enjoying it. I'm at it over thirty years. I mean, I'm still getting a, a fair kick out of it. What's acceptable then, Shane Keegan, over the next few days against Azerbaijan and Serbia for us to feel that the week has been a great week? Yeah, it's it, it's hard to argue that three points aren't really a necessity tonight, John. They, they, they probably are. Um, and look, the challenge of tonight's performance is an extremely, extremely difficult challenge or different challenge from the one they faced the other night. And you'd argue that it's the challenge that we've struggled most with. Um, I was going to say over the last few years, probably probably since I've been born, um, we do we do the big performance against the, the big nation very, very well, to be fair, the majority of the time, um, and sometimes manage to get something from a game or else, you know, we've suffered a few gallant defeats, I suppose, in a man- manner similar to the one the other night. The problem seems to be um, when the onus is on us to go and take the game by the scruff of the neck. Um, and I think that problems have have multiplied since the the the, the end of, of of Robbie Keane's era. 
obviously he used to get a bit of stick for only scoring against small countries you know what we would give for a fella who, who guarantees you two or three goals against the small country the so-called small countries now um but i i think they do they really you know there's a there's a a, a bit of momentum behind them there in terms of, of public opinion after the performance been so impressive the other night that dissipated very very quickly um if we put in a, a stale performance and, and a poor result tonight so i think i think this is by far the more important of the two to be honest with you because this this really has to go right this one really has to go right the the the, the following one then with with serbia again you know I, I think a good performance in that one i'm not saying people would be happy to take defeat but a good performance in that one where again we may narrowly come out on the wrong side if we do the business tonight i think people would would accept that um then in the in the third one and see it overall as as a good week um but it really all hinges on us us doing the business tonight uh, 53106. I don't think uh, we're going to get any let up in the listener interaction today about the Republic of Ireland soccer team because we always do get a great response. Uh, very good display by the Irish backline and goalkeeper. Connolly not up to international standard. Time for Kenny to leave position. His job is about qualifying the team for championships. This will not happen under his reign, says Nylon Lucan. And Dan and Cork has been in touch to say, lads, Kenny's record is shocking. We shouldn't be making excuses. I'll be willing to get on board if he wins the next two. If not, get him out. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You just Some people just uh, don't have any flexibility. Um, but we did see flexibility from the FAI, Sarah, this week about uh, parity with pay. And this is going to change people's lives when it comes to the women's national team. The fact they get 2,000 appearance, a 300% increase overdue and a great example as well to other sporting organisations. It will, I suppose. I've lived 10 different sporting lives or it certainly feels like that to me. In 2002, we went to the UEFA Championships in Switzerland with the under-19s and I changed my tracksuit in Dublin Airport uh, before I went. Phil the kit man was doing the loaves and the fishes, trying to, you know, get us all as much gear as we could for that week in Switzerland. And we came back and literally the boots weren't off and the socks were back in the kit man. They were going with the under-17 boys to whatever tournament they had. So 19 years later, to see the Irish men's team step down in terms of their contribution and afford the women, you know, equal pay. Now, I think it's not 2000, it's just shy of 2000, uh, okay. I've been informed. But what I've been told is that the senior players are absolutely delighted with it. You know, it, it is just shy of 2000 euros. But for those players who are amateur players, it is going to make a massive difference. They were taking annual leave to play for their country. They were out of pocket to play for their country. So for the likes of Seamus Coleman to make a stance and say, look, we want equal pay for, for female international players for Ireland. I think that will make other men stand up and go, God, have, have I been as supportive? Have I been as committed to showing my uh, female counterparts, you know, even in, in the work environment um, parity? So it, it's brilliant. And uh, I think crucially in possibly the WGPA and the GPA now, they're going to get massive confidence from this in terms of what their negotiation with the GA, uh, which is coming up very soon. Yeah, tennis is progressive in this regard. Rugby, maybe less so, I would uh, I would feel. Uh, John Mahon, it's, there's always this revenue argument made about this kind of thing, but this is almost more of a rights thing for me uh, and a parity thing. And it, it should be, if you're making an appearance for your country, it should be about that more than revenue, how much revenue you bring it in. Yeah, I, um, I think it was Billy Jean Keane back in the 70s that uh, created a furore at the time. Um, she was looking for parity of, of, of rewards back then. And I think about 90% of sports uh, have um, reward men and men and women equally, John, to the best of my knowledge. Um, the FAI were a bit slow in, in bringing parity uh, for their... But I, I welcome the decision. I think it's fantastic. I think it's deserved. I do recognise there's a biological. This is a very, very touchy subject, by the way. And I know I do recognise there's a biological difference between men and women. And I know TV exposure is what it's all about, and uh, broadcasting deals and rights and endorsements. I think I read some time ago where uh, was it Serena Williams and uh, Roger Federer? I think uh, Serena generated two million more in prize money in a particular year. He got sixty million more in endorsements and on TV rights. And there is that argument, but when it comes to playing for your country and what's the, the announcement this week by the FAI, I absolutely 100% support it. I think uh, there are winners all round. It's a little bit slow in getting there. And uh, it was appalling to see what happened a number of years ago with the strike uh, and the way the, um, it, 
I was on the board of Support Ireland for seven years. I was not aware of how bad and how poor it was. And uh, to see the girls having to stand up and, and challenge the FAI in the manner they had to do, it was just uh, sad in so many ways. But at least they've addressed the issue now. So I welcome it and applaud it. And let's hope we move on. It's 2,000 euros, it's not big money, as, as, uh, as Sarah has alluded to there. Um, you have a lot of girls to take an annual leave and to train and play, and uh, they're making huge sacrifices. I know it is their choice of hobbies, and it's a great, it's great to be able to pull on your international uh, jersey, but I think it's a, it's a good day for our sport. Are we seeing better treatment, Sarah, in Gaelic games for Camogie players and ladies Gaelic football players? We have a massive final tomorrow, Dublin and Meath. I suppose it depends on what county you're in. Uh, being with Cork for, for a number of years, uh, I would have felt when I played with Cork then, we de definitely didn't have the same resources that I had with Dublin when I played with Dublin for those three years. Um, the talent pool in Cork was exceptional, so we always got to All-Ireland Finals, so the support came late. Uh, there was a rally late on and, you know, we'd always receive the gear on the Thursday night before you'd play the All-Ireland Final on the Sunday. Playing with Dublin, the things were set up much more, I suppose, in a much more organised fashion. Um, so I, I think AIG as sponsor for Dublin and the way they promote the four codes, it should be replicated with other counties because I, I feel the AIG really support the four codes in Dublin and we're very visible in Dublin as a result. From the GPA's point of view and the WGPA's point of view, the show of solidarity by bringing the two associations under one umbrella is a massive talking point. And there's a negotiation coming up with the GA where the GPA will be going now together, male and females, looking for support and I suppose a massive contribution to, to their plans for the coming year. And they're talking about things like nutrition. So the male players get kind of in the region of 20, 30 euros a week towards their nutrition. And that's obviously paid as a stipend. The female players don't get that. And now they're obviously going to the GA to say, right, the female players should be getting the same opportunity as the males to get nutrition. And now this might seem like a very small thing, but nutrition is a fundamental part of your training. So that's something at a very basic level that they will be looking for. And, and I think making strides like that and the girls having the same treatment as the as the their female male counterparts in the in the coming months could change things dramatically and, and you could see improvements in performance just based on girls receiving money for nutrition. I don't see a hiding place, uh, Shane Keegan, when it comes to these kind of issues anymore. Uh, I, I get to the stage you know, where there's not really an acceptance of situations like you've had in the past, like Sarah's talking about, they're changing in toilets and, and having not having enough kit. Uh, there's an unacceptability about this in it, it, going forward, isn't there? Yeah, and look, right, rightly so. That's that should very much be the case. Like, I suppose from an FAI point of view, they've probably got some much needed positive publicity on the back of it. I, I heard John mentioning Billie Jean King. I see Billie Jean King retweeting the the FAI tweet um, about the deal that that had been struck. Um, and yeah, look, it it there there is there is no reason why it shouldn't be that way. I mean, when it comes to soccer, yeah, the the, the point you made about revenue generation, I think that. It's fair enough that that applies to the club game, um, but at international level, it's a, it's a it's a it's a very 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 different situation. Um, so it makes it makes complete and utter sense to me. I mean, look, again, if I'm completely honest, I I sometimes I wouldn't be uh, sometimes in the past I wouldn't have been as engaged in in the Irish women's football teams matches as as maybe you should have been and maybe that was down to the amount of publicity or the amount of of kind of coverage that was out there around it in more recent years um i've been massively engaged in it and, and they're a, a really really excellent team to watch now i think in my case and and maybe in a lot of fellas cases there needs to be some sort of a, a tie-in to catch the attention with us. Um, obviously, I would have had the, been previously been at Wexford Utes. They were they were fantastic at League of Ireland level in in women's football. Um, and Rihanna Jarrett in particular was was outstanding for for Wexford before moving across to Brighton as she is now. And myself and Rihanna would have ran summer camps together down um, down in Wexford when she was around the place and the whole lot. So I now find myself I I wouldn't 
miss a game now, part because I want to see how the Irish team do but if I'm completely honest it's, it's nearly more so to see how, how does Rihanna do um, and and more recently then there's a, a girl close enough here in, it, to, it, to us in leash in Kilkenny Ellen Malloy who's, who's an outstanding outstanding young player um, and again I'm tuning in wanting to see how will Ellen get on tonight but the overall coverage has and 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 exposure has has increased tenfold, which is is fantastic to see because when you do buy in and when you do get sucked in by it, you're getting a fantastic, fantastic standard of product, you know. And that's why tomorrow is so important from uh, a, like a, a major final tomorrow and then the Camogie final next week. These are really big things. But generally, the ladies' football has been fantastically supported with attendances, hasn't it, Sarah? Look, it's a perfect storm. Dublin uh, going for their fifth All-Ireland and the Dublin population loves to go to Croke Park. It's a stone's throw from Croke Park for a lot of the fans. So I'd say the Ladies Football Association are very lucky that Dublin have been in the last five and that has contributed massively to the attendances. Equally, Meath, you know, uh, a nice handy spin into Croke Park. So I would be expecting a full attendance in Croke Park tomorrow and I'm delighted to see it. Uh, I just think that the ladies football are very lucky that those two teams have been so supportive and so close to, to Croker. What, like from uh, Camogie's point of view last Sunday, there was 2,000 in Croke Park for those games. But crucially, the games were on TV. And as Shane alluded to, if you see something and it's in your eye line, you're going to watch it. And the Cork Kilkenny game was a brilliant game for TV and it had a brilliant finish. And I'd much rather it be on TV and, you know, people getting to know the names of the players and then going, God, I must tune in next week to see how she got on, how she's going. So I think that TV exposure is first and foremost the most important thing and the attendances will come from that. Okay, got to take a break. Stay with us, Sarah Donovan, John Mohan and Shane Keegan going to have a lot more about the review of the week after the news you can text us 53106 you can tweet us at Off The Ball we're back after that The Saturday panel on Off The Ball John Duggan here with you through until 7 I'm just looking at the screen here it's great to see Leona Maguire playing in the Solheim Cup she's one up in her match at the moment in the foursomes early doors against the States for the Europe Ian team so we'll keep you up to date uh, with that as it goes on the reason why we're on until 7 is because we've got commentary of the Republic of Ireland against Azerbaijan the World Cup qualifier uh, with Stephen Doyle and Stewie Byrne later on you can text us 53106 this is the Saturday panel we're reviewing the Sporting Week three special guests the former Mayo senior football player boss and current Offaly manager John Mahon Shane Keegan a UEFA Pro Licence coach most recently of the Dundalk Parish and the ex-All-Ireland winning Camogie player with Cork and Dublin convert Sarah O'Donovan listen on News Talk watch us on our social channels and digital channels for Off The Ball for Periscope and Twitter at Off The Ball YouTube, Facebook and on the OTB Sports app John Mahan you were in the news this week because your adopted county has got Tomas O'Shea in the backroom team Yeah it's it's a great coup I'm absolutely thrilled to bits um both Michael Dyke and myself had a chat a number of weeks ago and uh, we were looking at maybe freshening up the back team or just adding to the management team. And um, yeah, both of us agreed that Tomas O'Shea would be a great capture if he was interested. And uh, so our chairman was dispatched down to Cork. I think he was doing a co-commentary on a, on a hurling match down in Porky Cueve and uh, he took it upon himself to have a cup of coffee with Tomas. And um, yeah, I, I spoke to him last night again and uh, He's very excited about the prospect. Um, they, it wasn't to be released to the public this week, unfortunately. Some uh, paper got a hold of it down in Cork, I think, uh, early on in the week. So we were um, scrambling around the place to get some sort of announcement out about it. But look, at it, it's a great endorsement of Offaly uh, GEA, um, particularly after the year they've had with the under-20 success. And there's a lot of young talent coming through. And to have a five times All Ireland medal winner and a guy that knows and understands the game. I've seen him on the sideline with UCC and Billy Morgan in the past. So I know he's involved in coaching. He's coaching Dan Meyer at the moment. So look, it's a great, it's a good news story for Offaly. And we're just thrilled to bits. And I know a lot of the players were contacting me during the week and they're very, very excited of having him involved with us for the current season. So it's, 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 we're, we're thrilled, John. Yeah. And when he walks into the dressing room, he's going to get that respect immediately. Absolutely. I mean, and anyone who listens to him on, on his analysis on TV will understand and recognise that he, he knows the game so well. He's a very, very astute analyst. And uh, yeah, he, he'll kick ass for sure. There's no, there's no doubt about it. So you're going to be the good cop, are you, John? Yeah, well, I, I'm the nice guy now. I've changed. I've meddled. <laughs> so we, we need someone with a, a bit more uh, energy, shall we say, in that regard. But uh Look, it'd be great to get a bounce. I'm sure we'll get a bounce out of the announcement and out of his involvement. 
And it's an exciting time for Offaly. We've had a great year. I mean, everybody recognises Shane Lowry endorsing Offaly GA, both hurling and football. And uh, that, uh, um, you know, that in itself was a magnificent for, for the GA in Offaly. And uh, it's a county that had just slipped down the line, you know, had slipped down the rankings in recent years, both in hurling and football. And to see uh, the, the, I don't know, John, did you get to see the under 20s play? I, I saw them three times in the Leicester final and obviously the semi-final against Cork and, and the, the All-Ireland final itself. And there was an incremental improvement in every game they played, but it was a flair. It was like a throwback to the old DNA and the gene pool of of Offaly players of Euro that we all, that I grew up watching. So it's an exciting time for Offaly and, and to have Tomás come on board with us, it's, it's an endorsement of what's happening up there and shows great foresight by the executive that we're able to make it happen as well. Is there investment going into the county, John? For example, have you got a target of we want to win a Leinster title by this year? And uh, no, I'm, I I I read uh, recently where I think the Dubs had twenty three of a backroom team. Uh, we've about six. Uh, we've a couple of young volunteers who assist with stats analysis. Um, we don't have a Bernard Dunn who works individually with players. I think. Uh, Davy Fitz had something around 24, 25 when he won an All-Ireland with Clare um, in 2013. We don't have that kind of resource. It's a dual county, it's a small county. Um, and trying to manage the resources, it's a challenge for the executive and in this case for Michael Dyke as chairman. It's a, it's a big, big problem. There's a lot of money and expenditure going into teams preparation. It, um, it's very, very expensive to um, organize teams and uh, we manage our budget exceptionally well. We don't go for warm weather tra training. I got a budget in the first year, three years ago, of six thousand euro for a weekend away or something. I spent a thousand of it and hoping to carry over the five thousand the following year. That didn't happen. I carried it over all right, but I never saw it. <laughs> so it's uh, it's tight. Budgets are tight, and I, I I'm amazed. I'm astonished as to how some counties come, including my own county of Mayo. There's huge expenditure in getting a team to an All Ireland final, and uh, in fairness, Mayo has stepped up to the plate in that regard. And anything the players want here in this county, and I'm sure many counties, but they get, the, it's been delivered. But as I say, there's lots of counties out there who are struggling financially. I'm thinking of the Leitrims and the Sligos and, you know, even the Offerys. But hopefully things will improve in that regard. If they see things begin to improve in the pitch, I'm sure the supporters will come out and uh, they'll engage and uh, throw their a little bit financial weight behind the team, you know? But there's a window, like, there's a little bit of a window now. Like sport to me is cyclical. It's not always about, especially in amateur sport like Gaelic Games. And I know we spoke about the resources there, but I know it was a COVID year last year but you, and the knockout, but you have Cavan winning an Ulster, you Tipperary winning a Munster, you have yeah. Tyrone back in an All-Ireland final, you have Mead winning the Miners last week, you have Offaly winning the Under-20s. Maybe it's not a lost cause as it might have felt a couple of years ago. I completely agree with you, John. I am, and I'm sure the two guys, Sarah, and, and um, will agree as well. Um, it, it, it has been there's been novel pairings like Roscommon and Offaly that on the twenty finals, fantastic. Um, to see Mead ladies, uh, as Sarah alluded to it there a few minutes ago, and I watched um, a Mead ladies playing Westmead in the intermediate final last year. To see the way they have improved, beaten Cork there a couple of weeks ago, and now into an All Ireland senior final against Dublin, it's been absolutely astonishing the acceleration in their improvement. I think if you get your backroom team right and you manage your backroom team right and get all guys pulling together. Now look at there has to be a great desire on the players uh, to buy into a philosophy and buy into but if they put their hands up and want to play into county football, they're buying into a, 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 they're buying into a discipline and a, a, a lifestyle where you're giving your absolutely everything for that jersey to try and achieve something. And I think of players, we, you can't go out and buy players like the soccer world you kind of go and, and uh, strengthen your team by, by buying in players from another division. Well, you've got to dance with the girls in the dance hall, that old cliche. But I mean, if, if I, I firmly believe, um, you know, I, I took over a mayor team in 1995. They were playing in Division 3. We became within a hop of a ball of winning an All-Ireland final after replay. It was the same players with a different attitude. So it's all about your, your attitude and how you buy into the whole philosophy. But um, yeah, this, this year has been refreshing. Last year, albeit a COVID year with... As you mentioned there, John, about Tipperary uh, and particularly the historical significance of their victory in the Munster Championship and also Cavan. It was so exciting and it's it's just been fantastic. And it's not an exact science, sport, science does help, but it just goes to show you on any given day, strange things can happen. I'm sure we'll feel, we might even see a, a shock 
uh, Mayo victory uh, Saturday week. You know, uh, after, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to, we'll get to, we'll get to that before the end of the uh, end of the panel, John. Uh, just on Tomas mm-hmm. himself, have you got similar philosophies in the way the game should be played? Have you had a discussion around that yet? Well, you know, funny enough, we haven't had a, a review for combinational reasons. The other twenty success. Uh, and their involvement, we, we decided to, to stall that. And obviously, I was aware that we were something was happening in the background, uh, uh, organizing tomorrow. So in the next um, a few days, we'll be sitting down to review and uh, and and obviously to look forward and uh, to identify um, a strategy and to make sure we're all on the same wavelength. And when you have a backroom team, they're there for a reason. They're there to advise and to assist. And I'm one of those guys, I delegate, uh, um, you know, certain aspects of the management and I've coaches involved, they're there to coach, I've strength and condition guys here, that's their um, job and they're more expert than I and at the end of the day, I'm just a figurehead and I try to pull it all together, but uh, we certainly will be sitting down, John, and reviewing uh, the year past and looking forward and uh, put, and hopefully getting some of those new guys into our, into our squad and getting them playing in the, in the, in the new season ahead. The backroom team is absolutely fascinating, isn't it, Shane and uh, Sarah? Because I, I was going through your Twitter there, Shane Keegan, last night. I, I, I believe you spoke to Paul Connerk at length earlier this year, and he's the man of the moment, really. He's the guy. He's the, the main man in, in town when it comes to coaches and, and philosophies and excellence and bringing things to a new paradigm and a new level when it comes to hurling with Limerick. Yeah, he is, um, John, that's for sure. I have the, the coaching podcast there with the 42.e where we try and speak to a, a different guy for each episode. And I was lucky enough after after haunting Paul, I haunted Paul for a long time before I eventually got a yes out of him. Now, I'll tell you that. He did, uh, but uh, eventually eventually bugged him enough that he, he did an episode with me and he, he was brilliant. Um, but the, yeah, the, the overall, the whole thing of backroom teams, John, for me, like it, it is, it's a, it's a fascinating area. Like if you look at, at, at Tomas's appointment first and foremost, like that's, that's a superb appointment. But it's a superb pr- pr- appointment for, for all involved. For all involved, he will be a huge asset to, to Offaly football. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Every time he opens his mouth, he seems to speak complete and utter sense. Be it on, you hear him on, on media or on a podcast or when he's writing a column, he just always seems to speak sense, which is the highest um, compliment I can pay him. But it, it will also be a fantastic appointment for Tomas O'Shea because, I mean, who, you know, to be fair, who wouldn't give their, their left arm for an opportunity to learn under somebody like John or, or of, some, of, of John Zilk, not specifically just pointing to John here on this, but an opportunity for a young coach who maybe has aspirations in the game to go in underneath somebody who's been there, done that, and, and has that bit of experience. It's a win-win for all involved. And as, as John has said, I, I've been in that situation with a, with, with, with a Wexford and a Galway where, where when you don't have a huge amount of, of money to throw at a fella, you, you need to get your take your sales pitch in a different direction and you need to pitch your sales pitch at him as, well, here's here's what's in it for you. Never mind the money. Let's talk about the other things that are in it for you. The, the opportunity to learn, um, the, the, the opportunity to be part of something that you could massively enjoy, the opportunity to have a real say and real input um, and it again, John's uh, John's move to bring Tomas in there. It's it's slightly out out of the box kind of a move as well, which again I like. We we did it with we brought Jason Ryan in with with, with Wexford Youths footballers as part of the backroom team. We brought Johnny O'Connor, the former Irish rugby player, in as part of the backroom team with with Galway when I was over Galway United. And it just it all it just brings a different slant to things. It brings a different perspective to things. Obviously, Canark um, was primarily a football background before he came in, but it's amazing the way when people is coming people are coming in with a fresh set of eyes how differently they can see things. And I, I think there's huge huge value in that. And it, it's just an appointment that makes sense all around. And it's it's part of the whole growing culture of of, of backroom teams and how important a role they play. What is your backroom team experience, Sarah? I suppose at the moment it's Dublin coaching with Camogie. Yes, and like that, this year we were starting from scratch. We'd come off a very low ebb. We're looking at relegation and the Dublin County Board went out and they, a gentleman named Kevin Broderick, who's the development officer in Dublin, went looking for the best and he brought in Ray Boyne. And you'll know Ray Boyne as former Dublin football analyst and uh, massive, uh, I suppose, uh, involvement with Tipperary and Liam Sheedy in 2019 when they won. So Ray came in with fresh eyes to our team and he gave us a philosophy and John alluded to a philosophy while ago. So we were all about trying to win. And he said, no, no, you have to understand the pillars of performance. 
And that's how we engaged the players who were coming in at this very low ebb to say, look, we're not chasing wins here. We're actually identifying what performance looks like. These are the four pillars. These are the percentages that you hit for your four pillars. And this is how you go to get a performance. And if you do this and hit this number, you will more than likely win games. Completely new completely different to anything that I had experienced before as a corner forward waiting for the ball to come in to get a goal. That's all I knew. So all of a sudden I was understanding what the four pillars meant and what it meant for the team. So having that backroom um, experience, that's something completely different like Ray gave, changed our year for us this year. And that was something that uh, we really appreciate as Camogie players because he looked at us just as players, completely equal, gave us the stats that the men's team had and said, let's go and try and hit those. I thought that was very refreshing. I wonder if that's going on with Stephen Kenny's Ireland at the moment. Um, just a bit facetious. Shane Keegan, <laughs> uh, when backroom teams kind of don't really gel and managers and coaches are not getting on, how much of an impact does that have on the 11 or the 15 out in the pitch? Ah, yeah, look, it, it would certainly have a, a negative effect. You can you can try and keep it behind closed doors and, and try and hide it. But th- again, that's why it, it, it is just absolutely vitally important to make sure before making appointments that they're not just appointments for the sake of it and you're not just appointing a big name for the sake of having a big name you've got to have really proper in-depth chats with with anybody who you're going to bring in and that applies at all levels like john this whole effect of backroom teams it's trickling right the way down it really really is i'm over our, our senior hurlers in the club this year and we would have six of us working away most nights at at any of our training sessions now in the League of Ireland, you, you tend to arrive into a place. This this is actually one of the things that a big difference that I see between League of Ireland, let's say, and an inter-county setup is when you go for a role in the league, when you're going for a manager's job, John, in the League of Ireland, you're pitching yourself as you and you only. And then if you get the role, now you have to try and figure out, okay, what's the rest of the management team? Who's available? So when I went to Galway, it would have been right. Who in Galway is available? Who's got qualifications? All of that kind of thing. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in a managerial marriage with three or four people who you may never have met before. Um, Whereas when you sit down, I, I haven't... I wouldn't know the complete ins and outs of it, but it seems to be the case that when you sit down to go for an inter-county management position, you're giving them the whole setup pretty much from the very start of the interview. Here's who I see coming in with me. Here's strength and condition. Here's performance analysis. Here's the coaching setup. Um, and that seems to come as a package. It seems to come as a package. As I say, I, I'm doing our club seniors this year, and thankfully I'm doing it with a guy who was groomsman at my wedding, a fellow that I lived with for three years in college. Those relationships are there, and I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. For those reasons, those relationships are there. Chances of us ever falling out were nil. We'll fall out with each other privately over a, row, a little row here and there, but we'll never have a proper row. And there's, there's a huge amount to be said for that, and you, you've got to get that relationship right from the off. John, I say you've been through a lot of backroom teams. Um, yeah, I have. Uh, just to, to follow on from uh, Shane's point, like, I mean, attention to detail is a kind of a loose endorsement for, for every successful coach or manager, but it's how you apply that detail that leads to high performance. And you're absolutely right. Um, I, I don't look for, for yes men when I'm looking for guys to get involved with me. I don't want uh, three or four or five guys that agree with every decision. I want to be challenged on the decisions. I want them to be involved in the decision-making process. And we get it wrong. Like, I mean, there's no question. And it's how we deal with things when it goes wrong. And, you know, even comes to team selection. You know, we've argued at length uh, about uh, guys. Uh, you know, I'd love to have uh, lots of finishers, great guys uh, um, on, on the on the sideline. But we have lots of, uh, um, I suppose, uh, different views on things. But at the end of the day, it's so important to have that symmetry and to see if you're if you have a coach or a selector on the sideline and he's given out a different message to the team and I'm giving them a, a completely different message, well then you're not going to you're not going to be successful. It's important that you synchronize it, that you have a tight group. And look at the reality is if a guy is not uh, stepping up to the plate, um you've got to um deal with it. Um if the guy is uh you know, I, I, I've heard of, um, you know, managers having to get rid of guys um, mid-season. It's happened. Uh, I walked out of a, a county set up myself because um, the followers, I didn't, I, I refer to them as followers, not supporters, uh, who were giving uh, me and the team a bad time. And uh, I look at this is this is a hobby for me. This is, this is fun for me. Uh, and I, I want to enjoy, I want to enjoy what I'm doing. And uh, I don't need it, thank God. Uh, 
the two hours, 50 minutes of a drive from Casabar up to Kilcormack, up to Tullamore, it's tough going. But uh, once I open the gates and get in and meet the guys, including the backroom team, I'm excited. That's why I do it. I just really, really enjoy, uh, enjoy the aspect of it. But look at your backroom team. It's, you know, the, uh, you, know you might have a guy uh, do a very, very small bit of detail uh, for you, but you've got to make him feel he's the most important person on that given day, that we can't survive without you. And if you have that kind of approach, irrespective of what role that person has, I might be only laying out the bibs or laying out the bottles before a training session, but you've got to ensure an engagement on the phone, talking to him, acknowledging what he's doing is so important. He or she acknowledging what they're doing is critical. And I think that's good lines of communication, all that kind of stuff is critical, John. You're talking about your career there and, and your love for it, and obviously it's a degree of an addiction, John Mohan. Are you at peace now, 25 years on, with what happened in Mayo in 96? <laughs> oh, John, I, I get reminded regularly. Uh, Sorry. I happened to be down in a scrum today and I met a Mead man and he kind of had a bit of a laugh about it. Uh, we're still blaming Pat McAnini, incidentally, for sending off Lee McHale in the replay. We'll never forgive, uh, we'll never forgive Pat. It was a heartbreak. It was a heartbreak. I mean, you're so close to success and uh, both uh, Shane and Sarah were, were Lauren talking about, like, I mean, when the camera guys come down and surround you on the sideline, you're that, you're, I mean, you nearly have one hand on the Sam Maguire Cup and suddenly the ball hops over the bar and it's a draw. I mean, talk about a heartbreak. I mean, watching the Irish team the other night, I felt hanging on for that 1-0 victory and next thing Ronaldo does what he does best. Uh, it's a heartbreak, I have to say. Here we are 70 years now waiting to try uh, and, and win a Sam Maguire. This is our 11th All-Ireland final um, that we're playing next weekend and still haven't won it. But as I said to somebody here this morning, if we, if, if we win it, should we, we lose the universal love of the country. Everybody loves Mayo and wants us to win. And I feel if we win it next Saturday, that love will be gone, John. <laughs> well, I think it'll be worth it, though, if, if it does happen against Tyrone. And obviously, Tyrone, yeah. we wish them as, just as much as well as, as Mayo next week. But uh, how, do you, how do, you, do you just get immune to the disappointments, John? You're going back there every year, yeah. like it's yeah, 2016, I, I 17, and even last year. Yeah, I mean, you know, they talk about a, a Mio or you know, talk about the curse and what have you. And uh, I was talking to a young, a, a young person here uh, again last week and he said, yeah, in 2016, when we had those two own goals against Dublin, yeah, somebody felt the curse is definitely alive. I, I, um, Paddy Prendergast, incidentally, is hearty and well. He's not surrounded by the Taliban down in Kerry. Uh, so there's no danger of him sitting away. And uh, I know Tyrone, the suggestion that Tyrone are making sure that he, he, he's in, in really good health for at least another couple of weeks. But I hope he lives another couple of years. But look, at uh, um, yeah, I was talking to a good friend of mine this morning, Thomas Tierney, who played for Galway and Mayo. And he said, I don't know, could I stick coming out of Croke Park where we to lose it uh, Saturday week? And he has that fear of walking out with that long face and the the sorrow of maybe losing another one. But sure, that's, that's sport for you. This is what creates the excitement and the enjoyment and the anticipation and the uncertainty of outcome. That's why that's why they got, we're all involved in it, because it's not an exact science. If it was, it'd be easy. But uh, look, at, we, all we can do at this stage is hope and pray. And the big talking point down here is the, whole, the shortage of tickets. It's, it's, it's a crisis situation. And I'm haunted from Chicago and Boston and Canada and UK. They're coming home, but nobody's got a ticket. Yeah, they've got 11,000 allocated vis-a-vis uh, -vis 13,500 that they would have got, obviously. Look, I don't think the GA are in a win situation here. I think they've done as much as they can. It's too, too difficult logistically to get people in who are only vaccinated. I think if you look at the way the entertainment industry and the live events industry got the short end of the stick by the government I think the GA are doing well to 41,000 fans in there for the for the football final but you don't have any hang-ups with Tyrone uh, John Mahon you don't have any baggage oh. or history with Tyrone no no in fact we're a bogey team for, for them uh, we've had success over them uh, I think they've only beat us once uh, in the last uh, maybe 15-20 years in championship that was a one-point victory um, we've competed well against them in league um, that said, I was hugely impressed. I kind of fancied them. Um, incidentally, it was a friend of mine, the next goal with footballer, uh, watched the game with me last weekend. There's a 50 euro uh, a Paddy Power bet uh, sitting on my windowsill. He backed uh, Tyrone to win the All Ireland at 14 to 1 last, Sunday, uh, last Saturday morning. They're certainly not, those kind of odds are not available anymore. But I was hugely impressed with them last weekend. They're a very, very strong team. But uh, 
I agree with you. I think it's better that we're playing to our own. The, the notion of facing that Kerry jersey certainly might spook Mayo, certainly would spook a lot of spectators. But this Mayo team are a little bit different. They're playing with a great... They're playing, they're playing super football. We've got great pace. We've got great youth, youthful exuberance. They're not reflecting back on, on losses. Some of those young guys, Ryan Donahue and Tommy Conroy, they've just been super. Um, and, uh, you know, Oshin Mullen, hopefully, if he gets back. But, uh, yeah, they're carrying no baggage and they're playing with great confidence. So I think we're in a right good, um, a right good shout next weekend, John. If they do do it, have you any idea how you're going to feel or what you're going to do, John? Yeah, um, I have no idea. I, obviously, it's something I would never have experienced. Uh, but I, I, I'm discounting also to party um, down here. <laughs> I mean, we partied in 1989 for getting to an all Ireland final. I was part of that squad. And I remember the, we, we came back by um, um, plane to uh, Knock Airport. I think there was 10,000 there to greet us. It was like we had won the All-Ireland. I can just only imagine what will happen. Unfortunately, the whole COVID situation and social distancing uh, measures are there to prevent COVID-19, and we got to respect that. It wouldn't be as crazy if, if things were normal. Uh, notwithstanding, when I, you know, a text message this morning from a guy from Canada, he's coming. A guy from New York, he's coming. I mean, you know, <laughs> COVID is a big problem in this country about that right now, but Mayo people will travel. They'll go to Dublin, they'll congregate. And I don't know whether to be mask wearing, but I, I say the place will go mad. To be quite honest, we're mayor to win it. I say it'll go absolutely bonkers. Yeah, we got Nathan Murphy of our parish as well, uh, Ballyhonest man, and I don't know if we'll see him until Christmas if they win. But um, Shane Keegan, it's it's as any sports fan would attest, it's been a a fascinating journey to observe as as, as neutrals and non Mayo people. It's been a beautiful <laughs> journey, and you got You got to admire their resilience and James Horan's resilience. You certainly do, yeah. And you've touched on it, James Horn in particular, I suppose. They say never come back or, or never go back. He's 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 decided to, to give it a go a second time round and he's he's done a, a really, really, really terrific job. And it it is hard to see uh it is hard to see any neutral in, in the country not not shouting for them. I'm I'm excluding uh Galway people from that obviously we're not going to call them neutral I think it's uh, Tyrone and Galway people alone that'll probably be, be shouting for Tyrone next weekend I myself certainly uh, yeah you'd, you'd absolutely love to love to see them get over the line this time they've been banging on the door for so long and so hard now at this stage and they've been such tremendous tremendous entertainment value um I think it actually, I think it's underappreciated just what they've done in terms of being able to go toe to toe with a Dublin side that are are, are roundly seen as, as as one of the greatest teams that have ever played the game. It's it's like the whole it's like the whole Messi is better than Ronaldo argument. Yeah, he might be, but but not by a huge amount. So does that make how good does that make Ronaldo? Like Mayo have been second best to Dublin, but not by a huge amount. So how good does that make Mayo? You'd, you'd absolutely love to see them get over the line next weekend. Yeah, only last December I was at Croke Park. I was lucky enough to be there for the Limerick Waterford hurling final. One of the most grim periods in the country's history of the one of the dark uh, days of the pandemic. And for fans to be there this evening, like fans, if you're going to the Viva Stadium for the Republic of Ireland and Azerbaijan, which is live here on News Talk, uh, enjoy it, uh, savour it. I will never take a fan experience for granted again. I was lucky enough to be at the hurling final as well a couple of weeks ago for Limerick and Cork. You were there as well, Sarah Donovan. Uh, for Mayo and Tyrone, people are lucky enough to get a ticket next week and socially distanced and responsible. This is what it's all about. This is why we get up in the bed in the morning and you're involved in sport, but for Mayo people, for Tyrone people, we're not so sure if we'd see these days so soon and we have them again. Well, I'm actually uh, due to marry a man from Tyrone, so... Oh, very good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying to um, temper his expectations. What's his name? Every, uh, Aaron Faulkner. Yeah, so... Good man, Aaron. He's, he's, he's around trying to find a ticket all week, and he's asking everyone, including the Mayo people, and he's hugging the Kerry people, and I said, Aaron, you, you're going to have to just slow down here. You're... There's very few who want Tyrone to win this. So he doesn't mind. He's he's driving on. But I was at the final between Limerick and Cork, obviously wearing my Cork hat, uh, sitting behind the Limerick management bench, unfortunately. And I thought it was a spectacle. And you know what really struck me was the players and the engagement with their families after the match. It was It was magic. And I actually stayed for a good hour afterwards, even though it killed me. I watched those Limerick players and hug every single family member they had and go to every fan that they could because in December they didn't have that experience. So to have that 
you know, nearly nine months later and for it to be so real and, and so vivacious, like, geez, if Mayo do it or Tyrone do it, that same experience next Sunday, Saturday, stay, watch it, watch it for the hour because it will lift your heart even if the result doesn't go your way. Big week for the families, John, isn't it? The, they've got to remember these are amateur players and their families and their well-wishers. The, the, the players will have to, look, we talk about curses and that, but some of these players is their first All-Ireland. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a great compliment to James Horn and his backroom team. Kerry McDonald, of course, is uh, is involved uh, with the male. He's your club man, isn't he, John? And uh, what an ex- he is, Minor, Yeah, yeah, what an exciting player. Um, he was, you know, I, I spoke at length to somebody about him yesterday. I didn't anticipate that he would ever get involved in management, but I know he was involved with a underage a development squad here um, a couple of years ago as a coach. And the young lads adored him, and uh, I hear he's made he's had a huge influence on the senior setup as well. But uh, these new players that we've had coming in, and I mentioned that we had three players in the running for Young Player of the Year last year. It's it's fantastic, and uh, you know, and we're talking here without the likes of Killian O'Connor. Um, uh, he's been a huge loss uh, to us, but you know, the team have driven on. They haven't dwelled on what they've lost and the injuries we've had. They've just uh, moved on and. Uh, yeah, we're going in with great expectation, uh, you know, um, tempered by the fact that we haven't won one in 70 years. But uh, there's a great air of confidence about this team. And it is so exciting. And it's, look, it's a privilege and an honour to play in an All-Ireland final, um, albeit in 41,000. I personally feel that was a great opportunity to open up this stadium to 75%. I got a little bit excited during the week when I heard uh, the government announce, Michal Martin announced that, uh, outdoor events, 75% capacity, and the caveat was put in with the exception of places of worship and, and stadia. I think Crow Park could have managed a little bit better. Um, I mean, if I go into a restaurant or a, 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 an indoor establishment, I produce my COVID cert to my phone, I felt the same could have applied when it comes to Crow Park. And notwithstanding all that, the fa- families of prayers will be there, and, uh, and Sarah has touched on her ability well there when she sat back and watched for an hour. That you know that lovely feeling, the uniqueness of it, and even if you're in the losers' enclosure, the, to have your family there to embrace you, and because it's a sad after all the effort, if you're not in the winners' enclosure, it's a terrible, terrible place to be for that a period of time. But to have your loved ones around you to you know to give you that hug that Sarah uh, watched last weekend, that's fantastic. I mean that's what it's all about, and you know they're your your closest and your loved ones, whether it's a a boyfriend from Tyrone or a girlfriend. <laughs> from Cork just to have them there with you on the day is, is special and thank God for us and thank God we're coming out of this COVID situation it's just great country and you know as you say we watched those games um, last year with a handful of spectators and there was a darkness and a dreariness about it it's not what we expect from sport and it's the excitement of the occasion and the banter and the crack I sat in drum Condra having a cup of coffee for about an hour and a half the morning of the um, the Sunday morning of the All-Ireland or the 20 final and to see the giddiness and the excitement from, particularly from the Offaly uh, guys that were running and racing, they didn't, they were heading for Fagans and Drumcondra, a lot of them incidentally, but they didn't know where it was because they hadn't been up there in decades. But there was a lovely giddiness and I, enjoy, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And the banter and the crack you have before the game with the crowd and the slagging. So that's part of the occasion. And I think uh, uh, you, you'll all agree with me when I say that. But um, yeah, that's coming back, uh, albeit slowly. So, but it, it's great. But I think this is the beginning of our Mayo Tyrone build up on uh, the Saturday panel. We've got David Brady, we'll have Andy Moran this week as well on the football pod with Tommy and with Paddy Andrews. John Mahon, just to finish up, are you going to do it finally? Uh, I have a secret suspicion that this is our year. <laughs> Many times have I said that in the past. Well, yeah, thank God it's, it's Tyrone, Tyrone are a super uh, team, but I think we could spook them. I, I, I'm, I'm, I think we'll fall over the line. We could have extra time, and we're good in extra time. Okay. Well, John Mahon, Sarah Donovan, Shane Keegan, thanks so much for joining us to review the week in the Saturday panel. Stay safe and we'll chat soon. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much, John. No worries. See you guys. Thanks, guys. Best of luck. Bye. Okay. Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk is back after this with Joseph O'Brien. The Saturday panel on Off the Ball.